0: You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. So every few years or so, someone says that they finally figured it out. They found the numbers in the Bible, they crunched the numbers together, they took this Hebrew word with that Greek word, they connected all the lines, they they fixed the mistakes that prior people made, and they finally figured out the time when Jesus is coming back. As though that is actually said in the Bible, even though the opposite is actually true. Jesus says, A, I don't know when I'm coming back. B, angels don't know when I'm coming back. C, Only the Father knows when I'm coming back. Now, we believe in the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They are three, but they are one. Which means that when God became flesh as Jesus, he even went so far as to reduce what he was allowed to know in the flesh. (laughs) Yet humans in their flesh think that they figured it out. And so we announce it on the airwaves. We go public. All right, guys, here's here's, here's the truth. Here's everything that we figured out. Here's how we know it. Jesus is coming back on this date at this time. And then we wait. And the theory... It's around and people all start believing it and there's interviews done and everyone starts to buy into it and the day comes and Jesus doesn't show up and usually at that point the the person who's come up with the theory says oh sorry I was off I crunched the numbers again you guys uh, we're actually like a week or a month early you know I can't be a false prophet I can't have messed this up so uh, let's let's try this again. And people will still go with it because they bought in so much the first time that they're willing to be, okay, this is just a slight problem. You know, it's some of us standing on the outside, it's funny. It's been 2,000 years since Jesus left and people have predicted his return, uh, you know, if not every year, then just about every decade or so. So this isn't unusual. We expect as much. But then we look at the fruit of these moments, the stories of what people do when they think that Jesus is actually coming back, the things that they give up in their lives and sometimes it being their lives themselves that they give up. Stories of a family that all killed their children and then killed themselves. Those kind of stories happen based on conspiracy theories that humans make. You'd think that, like, no, 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 we've based this theory upon Jesus, so nothing could go wrong. But no, lies are lies. Conspiracies are conspiracies. And when you say Jesus is coming back, despite the fact that the Bible says you can't know that, you'll have a general time frame because you'll see some things happening, but you can't know When we reject those passages in our pride, thinking that somehow we're better than Jesus was and we did figure it out, well, we should expect that there's going to be bad fruit when the truth comes out that we were lying. Not only lying to ourselves, having convinced ourselves into it, but lying to the rest of the world as well, getting followers based on conspiracy, because it was nothing more than that. conspiracy is going around like wildfire today and you know you'd think that like I intentionally chose to preach this message because oh there's so much conspiracy you'd think that I did that but I didn't actually this is based on today's passage we're preaching through Isaiah and today we find ourselves in Isaiah 8 uh, starting in verse 11 now Isaiah The whole book probably wasn't exactly written by Isaiah. A lot of times we think like, oh, look at their name, it's right there on the top, they must have written this. No, it's quite probable, a lot of scholars would say, that Isaiah was edited by the prophets who followed Isaiah. And this particular part of Isaiah seems a little disconnected from what we were just talking about. He gets into conspiracy, like out of nowhere, we're not expecting it. So it's almost as though the prophets who followed him that they're like taking all of Isaiah's sayings and kind of editing it into uh, lumps that, that work together. So here in their editing, if that is what's going on, is what they edit together. For the Lord spoke thus to me with a strong hand upon me and warned me not to walk in the way of this people saying, do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. And he will become a sanctuary, and a stone of offense, and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and many shall stumble on it. And they shall fall and be broken. They shall be snared and taken. He goes on from there, but I really want to hone in on him saying, do not call conspiracy what this people calls conspiracy. Because that's that's what we do. (laughs) The world is so full of conspiracy and people grab onto it like crazy. In fact, i feel like the people who grab onto it the most are often spiritual people christians now this may not be the case for you and that is great (laughs) i've had several people um recently come up to me like Jamin, we just don't see like the the depiction of the church that that you see and i completely understand that um if this helps Let me tell you why I think I I see what I see. It's partially because I have 1,400 friends on Facebook. (laughs) That's not a brag, okay? I don't know half of these people. Uh, But because I've worked in radio and because I have uh, moved around throughout my life and spent time in several different kinds of models, of churches with several different kinds of societies of people with different beliefs and, uh, at some cases, different denominations. While I've lived in the Free Methodist Church basically my whole life, I worked in a non denominational church for a while that was actually Baptist. I spent a year or two in a Pentecostal church. Um, I have seen a lot of different kinds of sides of things and made a lot of different kinds of friends through all these. Between Urban, Jackson, Suburban, Westland, Village, Three Oaks, Country, Chelsea. I'm a little diverse when it comes to the kind of church I've seen. And when I see that church manifest on Facebook, I see all different kinds of avenues of conspiracy theories that come out of it. On some of the more traditional side of my Christian friends, I see a revolt against um, science. Uh, I've seen some say that COVID's not real, uh, that uh, once this whole election wraps up, we'll suddenly see it disappear because it really was just a global conspiracy theory (laughs) that the entire world is in on. Just for the American election—that's uh, that's conspiracy right there, right? And that's what I've heard said by um, people, uh, and what I think we could say we've heard Christians say. Um, I've uh, uh, I've seen other kinds of conspiracies that um, you know this vaccine is actually it's got it's got chips in it that's tracking our every move uh that when you put uh when you go to get your temperature taken the government's training you they're putting something like a gun to your forehead getting you ready to obey or die uh down the road is training you right now like this is actual stuff that i see people seriously posting not as a joke not as a meme nothing like that but legitimately like this is what they have come to believe in this time which when you're standing back from a distance (laughs) you see like this there's this just isn't true this isn't true this isn't truth this is lies i've seen that side of things okay I've also seen on the supernatural side of things. Uh, The church in many ways during this time has given itself over to politics. Uh, Donald Trump in many ways has been seen as a savior figure, maybe not by you, but by many Christians that I've seen all over the place online. And more of the charismatic slash Pentecostal slash supernatural minded side of the church has given themselves over to a little bit of a savior complex. Maybe not even a little bit. It's, 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 It's becoming more and more disturbing the more I see it. Where Donald Trump seems to be this chosen one of God instead of Jesus, and he's gonna fix everything. Like for example, in case I'm just sounding like I'm making stuff up. Again, not only do I see the posts of diverse people I've known throughout the years, but I also see the posts of like mega teachers and pastors and prophets and that. And I remember reading one prophet saying like, you know, it's not over, Trump's gonna win anyways, something like that. And as I read through all these comments, not only is everyone in the charismatic church unified that this is true, but like one of them's like, yes, I was driving my car today and the Holy Spirit just spoke to me clearly and said, um, you know what, Jamin? Uh, sorry, <laughs> Jamin. <laughs> sorry. This person is driving their car. The Holy Spirit speaks to them, not to the Jamin. They say the Holy Spirit speaks to them and they say, yeah, now you know what it was like when I died on the cross. And now you know what my disciples felt like. But in three days, guess what happened? I'm so uncomfortable with words like that. First off, because there's already so much there fruit-wise that doesn't match the Holy Spirit. But the fact that Jesus dying on the cross has been likened to the same thing as Donald Trump losing an election. That, to me, is conspiracy that now has the Holy Spirit's name stamped upon it. And we have to be careful with our prophetic words. You know I love prophecy. I've taught a lot about it over the years. On the Jackson Cloud or online church right now, we're talking a lot about prophecy because we're going over the spiritual gifts. I love it. But the one sin that Jesus said was unforgivable is to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And the instance in which he used it was, okay, so um, the Pharisees had just saw something that the holy spirit did and they said that satan did it and jesus is like do not equate the holy spirit to satan that's blasphemy that that kind of sin won't be forgiven so if you want like the champion sin in Jesus' mind of of something that really bothers him it's being fickle with how you assign the holy spirit to things and I would say that treating Jesus dying on a cross and Trump losing an election is being very fickle. And that, again, shows our savior complex. We need to focus on God. And that's, that's Isaiah's whole point, right? Like, hey, don't get caught up in conspiracy, Don't fear every single theory that comes out. Don't give your mind over to that. Instead, if you're going to fear something, if you're going to have dread for something, put your fear and your dread on God. (laughs) That's what Isaiah teaches us. And that freaks us out a little bit, right? We're like, whoa, fear and dread God. I I don't want to fear and dread God. I, I want him to love me, you know? It's like, yeah, of course, of course. But what you love causes you to live a certain way But what you fear causes you to live a certain way too If your fear is in a conspiracy theory your your mind will be conformed to it Your heart will be conformed to it When violence sparks over a conspiracy theory You will possibly give yourself over to violence based not on lies or based not on truth but on lies because that's what conspiracy is it's lies so when we base our our reality around lies what we fear becomes manifest in how we live but god is truth he's always truth Truth isn't like a a rule book that's been given to us. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Truth is a person. So if you want to know truth, then you need to know Jesus. And if you put your fear on Jesus, on God, on the Holy Spirit, then you will be putting your fear in truth. And just as you live a certain way because God loves you, you will live a certain way because you fear God. Because you dread God. Because our fear affects how we live as well. So if you're going to have any fear, which Jesus also says, you know, like, let your anxiety go. Don't worry about tomorrow. Today's got enough problems as it is. Just focus on the moment. (laughs) Positive words right there. But if you're going to have anxiety and fear, let it be on God so that you live based out of truth instead of lies. I think part of the problem that um, we have in the Christian church, uh, the American Christian church giving itself over to conspiracies so often, um, not just now, but just all throughout the years, it happens all the time. I think one of the reasons that happens is because well we uh um, we allow ourselves to live in unrealities quite often now, look, we believe differently than the world believes that's always going to be the case. there's supernatural going on, there's natural going on there's science there's spiritual for us there's these two things in tandem at once whereas um the world may only see science uh so we're always going to have different views but when the world studies science which is something god created you know is sometimes a church like is so offended by science as though satan made it that seems kind of sacrilegious science is god's creation his good creation So when the world studies science and says, hey, check out the way that things actually are, which for us, we should be hearing, check out the way that God's actually made things. That's how Christians should hear it. We usually get defensive. We say, well, that's not what our Bible says. And that's not what ancient people believed a long time ago who who didn't believe in science. And therefore, we're not going to believe in your so-called facts, even if you can prove them. Christians have considered that a right of religion, that we can deny whatever we're uncomfortable with. And when that becomes your faith, it gives you a lot of ample space to believe in any conspiracy that comes your way. Because your faith in Jesus has now become something that's open to believing whatever you want, treating facts as a subjective thing instead of fact, and to give your, not only your heart over to however you feel, but your mind over to create reality based on um, what you are comfortable with. That's That's been something the church has always done. Every time science has shifted, Throughout the centuries, the church has been right at the forefront of screaming at the world. Uh, Something as simple as, hey, we're actually not, um, the sun isn't actually moving around us, we're moving around the sun. The church loses their mind over that. And then the generation that lost their mind over it passes away, and the next generation of the church is like, well, of course. (laughs) And then that generation gets mad about something else, and then they pass away. And then the next generation rises up. And they're like, of course, you know, right now, what, what will we pass away? Having denied that the generation after us will rise up and say, of course, because you are more progressive than the generation before you, even if you feel super conservative and traditional, you're more progressive than the generation. not long ago, that's just how it works. We grow and we learn. And so we need to understand that our faith is built on God alone, and that includes the way in which God has made things. If we decide that we want our faith to only um, be what we're comfortable with, then we won't be open to learning uh, the ways in which God works in the present. Instead, we will give our hearts and our minds over to, to conspiracy wherever, wherever we might find it. And so there's caution for us, not only as Christians, but as as people who don't always fit the uh, teaching role. In the Bible, there are five different kinds of people appointed to the church. There's apostle, uh, there's prophets, there's evangelists, there's shepherds, pastors, and then there's teachers. Um, This is kind of a five-fold ministry of the church. We don't do a good job at practicing it today. What we practice today is just like put one pastor in a place and everyone listens to them and no one else does anything. That's not church and that's not church leadership. Church leadership has these five components to it. Uh, And people are appointed, God appoints and gifts people to the church to do those things. Anyways, my specific point at the moment is that the teacher, their job is to study the scriptures and then teach it out. Help people understand how to read them better. In ancient times, like you had scribes. Not just anyone could copy the Bible over. Remember, they didn't have cameras. They couldn't scan documents. They're not printing something really quick. In ancient times, you had to copy letter by letter over. And you put scribes in charge of that task. You put smart people, teachers in charge of that task because as they were copying this over, they're processing it because they know this stuff. And if they come across something in a manuscript that they're like, I think the scribe before me made an error here, they actually were allowed the liberty to fix it. And that's why we have different manuscripts out there. Sometimes scribes make mistakes, but other times scribes were practicing their education what they already knew to say, actually, this is wrong, and they would change it. Now that scribe might be wrong when they made the change, or they might uh, have, have corrected the last one correctly. Um, but teachers whose job is to study scripture, to understand it, and to give it to the rest of us so that we can understand it, teachers, Uh, Are less important in our society It's because of something that happened that was both a huge blessing and also a curse Martin luther helped make sure that every one of us has a bible It's great. It's wonderful. This is everything we've ever dreamed of. There's nothing wrong with all of us having a bible However, it completely shifted society before if you ever wanted to hear what the bible had to say you went to church and as a community you listened and you dissected you asked questions you understood and you bounced it off one another and it was being taught by someone in charge who had studied it and had come to know it and was doing their best to pass along their scribal-like teaching knowledge to the rest of everyone now we can all pick up a bible read it in whatever way we want uh, with individualist eyes, and come up with whatever theory or teaching or whatever we want that matches us as a person instead of what matches the general understanding and teaching. And this is what's difficult for me sometime, as I have spent a lot of time in recent years just studying what theologians and scholars are saying about, about the Bible, And about church and about the teaching of what the Bible actually has to say I'll just be honest with you a lot of what the Bible actually has to say never makes it from the teachers to the pastors a lot of times in our pastoring jobs we're just giving people like mm, self self-help type preaching uh, fast-food type preaching you know uh, you might want to buy off a bookshelf rather than dissecting what the Bible's actually saying. And when we do that, we encourage people to kind of live in that individualist self-help kind of way where it's all just focused on me, 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 rather than us as a community coming together to understand this and and to hear from those who are teaching. (laughs) Because when you see conspiracy theories come up and things like that, like if you were to go to most theologians and whatnot, they would turn that stuff down in a second. Even some of the most popular teaching that we have in churches, if you went to theologians, they'd be like, "Yeah, but where did you get that from? Is that in the Bible?" <laughs> so we need to we need to learn from those who are supposed to teach. Otherwise, we again craft out space for us to believe whatever we want and to put fear into the Bible instead of into God, right? Because if we're if we're focused on God, who is truth, we will understand the world correctly. But if we put our fear and our focus on anything else and turn that into God, our focus shifts. It gets wonky, it gets confused. And that even happens with good things. If you put your focus on your spouse as great as they are, they're not God, they're not truth. And you'll be conformed to your spouse instead of to God. If you put your focus on the Bible and not God, you'll be conformed to the Bible, which isn't God. It's a tool of God's. And you will take into the Bible everything that you think rather than put your fear on God and allow him to put into the Bible everything he thinks. I'm talking in circles at this point, but this is an important time to hear this message. The church is on the forefront, in my opinion, of conspiracy these days. And it's because we're putting our fear in deceit, in lies, in fiction, um, in just about everything that comes our way. We don't let it just blow by us. We feel the wind blow by us, and we look the direction it blew, and we just stare at it and wonder, wonder if that's the way, the truth, and the life. Do not call conspiracy all that this people call conspiracy. But if you're going to have fear, if you're going to have dread, let your fear and dread be based on God. And allow not only your love for God to ground you as to what you should feel and what you should think, But allow your fear and dread of God guide how you should feel and how you should think. Amen.